Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In this episode of Compliance into the Weeds, Tom and Matt take a deep dive into the recently released Stericycle FCPA enforcement action. Some of the highlights of this week's podcast include... What do you call a business strategy which is based upon corruption? What happens when you have overexpansion into high-risk foreign markets and under due diligence in your M&A activity? What does document, document, document have to do with the documentation of bribery and corruption in your books and records? How does the Stericycle FCPA enforcement action show the Lisa Monaco doctrine at work? And what are the lessons learned going forward from this FCPA enforcement action? Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. Today, we're going to take a look at the Stericycle FCPA enforcement action, which was released last week. Both Matt and I have written about it, so we're uh, up on it. And uh, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome back, Matt. Hello, Tom. Good to be here. You look nice and refreshed after your assignment with the family. How was that? Uh, We went to Niagara Falls uh, from Boston, so that was a nice drive straight out on the New York Thruway in the Mass Turnpike. Then it snowed there. Uh, but only a dusting of snow. But it was still very nice, and now we are back and refreshed and ready to talk shop. So um, you want to give a little background to the Stericycle uh, FCPA enforcement action for our listeners? Yeah, sure. So this enforcement action was announced last week by the Justice Department, the SEC, and I believe Brazilian law enforcement as well, uh, where... The misconduct happened in the late 2000s, first half of the 2010s, probably nothing we have not heard before here in FCPA land. Uh, That Stericycle, which does disposal of medical waste and uh, other biomedical uh, materials, things like that, uh, they were expanding rapidly in Latin America in the early 2000s, clear into the early 2010s, gobbled up many local medical waste disposal firms in Latin America, in particular Mexico, Argentina, and Brazil, and then basically allowed a lot of corrupt activity to keep on happening. Uh, The local management that was acquired by Stericycle was generally left in place, according to the deferred prosecution agreement and the SEC settlement document and all the other fun things that we get to read about these cases. Uh, They had left local management in place uh, who then reported up to a Latin America executive for Stericycle who was based in Miami. Uh, all of them did all of the usual working with sham third parties using secret spreadsheets and whatnot to track bribes. Ultimately, this all came to the Justice Department's attention. Uh, Stericycle notably did not receive any credit for voluntary self-disclosure. I'm assuming that means they didn't self-disclose. And I am still unclear on exactly how regulators first got wind of this, 
But in late 2010s, I think from 2017 onward, Stericycle did begin a big reform and cleanup of replacing management, upgrading its accounting systems, which are very fractured and fragmented, cleaning everything up. Uh, so the sum total is $84 million in penalties and disgorgement, a three-year deferred prosecution agreement, and an independent compliance monitor for two years. Uh, and our favorite detail, Tom, I know you want to uh, include this, is that one of the names for bribes uh, that stericycle managers used was to call them alpha hores, which I'm probably mangling. Those are Argentine sweet cookies. And that's how they recorded the bribe payments in Argentina in their secret spreadsheets. They had a line item for alpha hores uh, and lots of discussion in emails about so-and-so needs more alpha hores delivered and things like that. So yet another weird, funky name for bribes, uh, adding to the long list of weird and funky names we've seen over the last 20 years of doing this. Indeed, not to be outdone, but uh, perhaps uh, laying on their, uh, resting on their laurels in Brazil and Mexico, they used chocolates, which we have unfortunately seen before as a description for uh, bribes, but they also uh, used incentive payments. So we had lots of going-ons here uh, I thought, Matt, we had institutional corruption in the business units. Um, yep. Not only did we have uh, spreadsheets detailing the corruption, but they actually had profitability based on the amounts of bribes paid and was uh, overall part of their business plan. In terms of the overexpansion, we saw that uh, last year in the WPP FCPA enforcement action. We apparently did not have a whistleblower here as we had in WPP. But uh, we did have um, the purchase of local businesses with the local business owners who sold to Stericycle staying on uh, to run their business units in the countries in question. So we had a similar situation. We don't know about the incentive payment issue we saw in Stericycle, but apparently these local businessmen had uh, institutionalized corruption, and you were able to draw yet a new phrase uh, coined by radical compliance. And let me see if I can uh, pull it up here: cultural inertia. So, yep. what is cultural inertia, and how did you see that play out in the Stericycle case? Well, you know, it's good that you brought up WPP, and I would probably even maybe say Quad Graphics. They had a settlement a couple of years ago as well where it was about a U.S.-based company rapidly expanding overseas. And it's almost like they didn't really think through the implications of that, um, that you just buy a company, you pass papers, and like, that's it. And then whatever business managers were still left there who sold their business, they were still there, and they were still doing business as usual. And in a highly corrupt market, which Argentina and Brazil and Mexico, you know, they've long had been, um, of course, they're still going to make their corrupt payments. Why wouldn't they? Because that's what they had always done. So it looked to me, as I was reading through all these settlement documents, what struck me was so much discussion of actual employees of Stericycle and its subsidiaries just doing corruption, engaging in corruption, not so-and-so was working with an intermediary who's the brother-in-law of the assistant minister and all this stuff that we often see in other FCPA actions. There wasn't really, to my observation, a lot of that discussion. 
there was a lot of discussion of these employees were using these spreadsheets. So nobody was there to tell them to change the culture, change your business practices. We are going to work in a different way. Um, they didn't bring in new management. Uh, they didn't bring in regional uh, Latin American officers who took this seriously. They did have a regional Latin American officer, but he seemed to be as complicit in the bribery as everybody else. And the other thing that struck me, Tom, was, you know, we've been mentioning the secret spreadsheets. Not only did they use the secret spreadsheets, but they used them really well. Like they had embedded formulas to calculate the bribe based on the contract that they're looking for. As you said, they calculated a P&L statement based on the bribes that they were paying. Um, so there was some very sophisticated use of bribery as a business tool. And like that, again, speaks to this cultural inertia. We've always done it this way. So we're still going to. And nobody from big management in the U.S. headquarters has told us otherwise so we're still going to do it. That's the thing that stuck out to me is that um, there was no effort there to change things up and show them that we are a different type of company. Now that we are the managers, we're going to do it in a different way. That was absent. And you can see the extensive corruption here and leading to a, you know, in relative terms, a pretty big criminal penalty and uh, fines and disgorgement. We, have, we haven't seen something this big in a while, I don't think. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I'd like to focus in on this uh, unnamed but known to the DOJ Latin American executive because he uh, seemed to be the linchpin for all this, and he was embedded in the corporate office or corporate headquarters in Miami. He was, although I'm sure he traveled extensively to Latin America, he was a U.S.-based employee. And in addition to being the linchpin of the corruption, um, he also was on or formed the company in Mexico where the bribes were paid through. There was a joint venture that Stericycle was a part of in Mexico, and that was the mechanism to pay bribes. So we had uh, yet another angle uh, that this uh, Latin American executive number one engaged in not only a conflict of interest with the company, but also bribery and corruption. The, um, uh, other thing that uh, you talked about was decentralized uh, controls. And I was wondering if you could say a few words about that. Yeah, that was sort of the IT and systems component of the culture issue that I just talked about was in addition to leaving in current management that had been acquired, so sending the message, business as usual, Stericycle also left all of the local accounting systems still in place. So it was literally still business as usual. We used the same accounting procedures and systems before. We're using them now. So I guess everything is still okay. Um, that would have been the message that Stericycle's acquired employees would have received. Um, but not only that, when you have this very disparate approach to accounting systems and internal controls, you at senior management 
you don't have transparency and visibility into what is actually going on at the local business units. You're going to have to pull all of that together. It might be in different formats, might be in different IT systems. You might not necessarily have one system of data com comparable or compatible with another. Um, if you're tracking different things in different ways and coding different expenses with different line item names, even though they're really the same sort of stuff, um, you wind up with a lack of visibility into what is really going on at the local level. How is the money being spent? What are those internal controls? Are they consistent with the policies that we are talking about here in headquarters? Spoiler, probably not. Um, and that's the other demonstration to employees that management and tone at the top is not serious about anti-corruption or corporate values or whatever sort of ethical principles you're trying to push. If they see the same people before are still the same people now, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Um, there we go. Credited, you know, quoted the who. I think I deserve some credit for that. Um, but if you see that at the management level and you see that there's still a very disparate, fragmented approach to the details of the job, what else are employees going to think? But I guess this is all perfectly fine because nobody's doing anything different. So either in technology and data or in leadership and management, you can send that message that there isn't a change in the tone at the top. There isn't a change from the new management. And then corruption continues. Uh, and as I said, you know, when that continues in highly corrupt countries, that's a big problem. It's a problem anywhere. But if it's going to be in a rampant, highly corrupt market like, say, Brazil uh, or Argentina, then, you know, you're going to wind up eventually with the problem that's going to catch up with you. And that's exactly what's happened with uh, Stericycle now. So I did not have you pegged as a hooligan. Uh, shout out to the Who. We're back tour 2022 playing in Austin on Wednesday, uh, May 4th with uh, Mr. and Mrs. Compliance Evangelist in attendance. So looking forward to that. Uh, excellent right. reference as well. The um, A couple of things that uh, struck me about this matter, Matt, uh, and they largely revolved around the fact that it's the first significant FCPA enforcement action after the Lisa Monaco speech of October 2021, and a couple of things. One um, is was her remarks around monitor and monitorships, and we have the imposition of a monitor here. Although the both the department and the SEC, but most specifically the department, made clear the monitor was put in place for two reasons. One was to prevent recidivism. Number two was although the company had been remediating these issues for now six years, apparently they hadn't gotten around to testing their compliance program. And so the monitor was there to test the compliance program. Uh, so that was one, I thought, direct outcome or outfall from the Monaco speech. The second one was, I thought, was a little more subtle because uh, in that speech, she spent a fair amount of time talking about corporate culture and then added that the DOJ would be evaluating a company's overall culture and their overall regulatory enforcement actions against them, both on the civil and criminal side. That portion of her speech brought the largest amount of commentary and pushback, particularly from the white-collar defense bar. Uh, but here we saw that in play, and it was in play with one simple notation, which was that essentially, although 
uh, Stericycle had involved, been involved with uh, some other regulatory matters. Uh, they had no criminal fines or penalties against them. So uh, apparently that, that was the extent of the analysis um, based upon the Lisa Monaco doctrine. So I was really intrigued by both of those two points. And then the third point was uh, something that we, we have talked about numerous times, but I thought it bear, bore repeating again, which was there is significant uh, discount available to the absolute worst company in an FCPA enforcement action, even if you don't self-disclose. And here they received 25% uh, discount off the minimum uh, sentencing guidelines because of extensive remediation and extensive cooperation. And um, kind of tied, if you tie all that into what I saw uh, with the monitor going forward, but they hadn't even gotten around to testing their compliance program yet fully, uh, it really shows that 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 FCPA corporate enforcement program has some teeth and companies can take advantage of it as well. Yeah, I, I was thinking along the lines of uh, there was extensive remediation, there was extensive cooperation, there was not self-disclosure. But on the other hand, you know, a lot of these offenses happened years ago, 10 years ago now. Uh, so to a certain extent, talking about the details of what third party did what for who and sham invoices, like, well, how's that going to move the needle of insight here? Because we've talked about that a zillion times before, and we probably still will. But, you know, it's a throwback to prior ways of doing business in a corrupt fashion that I don't know how pervasive that still is. But, you know, if you want to demonstrate to the Justice Department now that we have changed the culture, uh, you would talk a lot about um, self-remediation, um, self, not self-disclosure, remediation, cooperation. That would be two ways to demonstrate, see, we're serious now, we're trying to work with you, and getting rid of the offending personnel. And there's been a lot of leadership change at Stericycle. They did fire a lot of the employees who were involved in this. I'm very curious to see if Latin America executive number one winds up with any personal uh, prosecution or legal exposure from the Justice Department for his or her role in all of this. Um, but, you know, like, how do you demonstrate as a company that was way back then? And we wouldn't be dumb enough to do that today in 2022. You know, you would wind up getting rid of the offending employees. You would wind up doing a lot of remediation work. You fully cooperate. And then I can kind of see where the Justice Department's logic would flow here with this case, uh, because it's not the same people who were in charge back then. They're not here now. And I do see the sense and, you know, what's the point in saying you you still have a culture of corruption? I mean, no, you don't. If the same people who are setting the tone aren't there anymore, you could say we're trying to change the culture. Then you have to think through how would we actually do that, especially if we already flubbed up the involuntary self-disclosure, which we didn't do. So drives up the value of remediation work, uh, cooperation. It's a valid point that they hadn't got around to testing yet, and we're at least four or five years into the, the cleanup phase of this, you're going to have to test these things sooner or later. Um, so we get the monitor. And, you know, I, but none of this is surprising when you sit back and think about all of the circumstances, in my opinion. Uh, one other thing uh, of interest uh, showing, uh, in addition to the fines and penalty, what an overall cost can be is the company uh, had to literally divest itself 
of its Argentinian and Brazilian business units. So once again, we saw a company that simply could not do business ethically and in compliance have to basically shut down a business unit, although the language divestiture indicates they may have been able to sell it, perhaps sell it back to its original owners. Uh, But when you have to walk away from an entire business unit, it really speaks to uh, a difficulty in doing business ethically and in compliance. You know, Tom, I will say uh, one funny thing is, so my in-laws are from Argentina, and I told them the detail about how the bribes in that country were recorded as alpha fores, which they thought, A, was hilarious, and then B, they're not lawyers or compliance professionals at all. They stopped and said, so like, does every company in Argentina pay bribes and code them as Alpha Flores? I mean, look, folks, we're talking Argentina, so that's very possible. Maybe they do. Um, but yeah, that, uh, it's Argentina. What can you say? Well, Matt, um, I think we may be revisiting Stericycle down the road, uh, depending on which way the monitor ship goes and uh, potential recidivism. But I found a lot to digest in this case and lots of uh, in-the-weeds lessons and big-picture lessons that I thought you really hit on uh, in your uh, blog post on radical compliance as well. So we may uh, revisit this case down the road. All right, Tom. Thank you very much. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. If you haven't done so, I would urge you to listen to my recent five-part series, Taxman, on the intersection of tax and compliance. What is the intersection and why, as a compliance officer, do you need to be aware of the tax implications around compliance? Check it out, Taxman, on the intersection of tax and compliance, on the Innovation and Compliance podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. I hope you will join Matt and I again next week where we return with another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.